Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. We're at a really exciting time. Baseball articles are reaching an absolute fever pitch right now. Good choice of words. Thank you. Yes, indeed, they have. Uh, lots of lots of hot takes out there. Lots of predictions. Nothing like my successful World Series prediction from last year, which we'll have to redo in a couple of weeks. But I actually want to talk about a couple couple articles here. One from the Ringer and one from Five Thirty Eight. First one. What do you think is going to go on with the Cincinnati Reds this year? The MLB, they previewed, the Ringer MLB team previewed the Cincinnati Reds. They seem to make a pretty good case for them. I obviously have shares in good players on the Cincinnati Reds team, so I need them to do well. We've been to their ballpark. What's your take? I think that it's a logical team to pick as like a dark horse. Mm -hmm. You know, it has a lot of the things going for it that a dark horse that you want to pick in that dark horse team. Because every year there's a team that comes out of nowhere, things click, and they win games. Mm -hmm. The Brewers are like an extreme example of that last year. But, I mean, I think the Reds are a logical choice for a lot of people to pick. I mean, they've got an MVP, former MVP candidate. Um, They've got a lot of interesting pieces and a lot of really, um, really fun players. So if everything can click, then they'll be good. Uh, the other article from 538, this is more baseball-y baseball, but it, you know, it reflects on something interesting in fantasy there. It's called Relievers of Broken Baseball, and we have a plan to fix it. They're basically lamenting the pitching specialists, and they're arguing that you, know, you can put in sort of a funny rule change where a guy has to complete at least one inning. I know, because right now the rule is that you have to face one batter. That's right. So no matter what you're... I mean, that could be 100 pitches, you know, maybe <laughs> if you're facing Joey Votto. Yeah. But that is... That's not much. And that... I, I agree. I don't know why it's not talked about more. I read a, I read a book recently that was um, someone of a previous generation complaining about what's happened to baseball and just oh no one's able to invest the time in baseball and one of her thesis was sort of like you know people are complaining about the pace of play and and everything and she's like well i mean i watched games in the 70s that lasted that long it's like well sure but there was like consistent play the problem right now is when um you you're watching the game and there are these logical checkout points where it's like, Oh, two and a half minutes to change a pitcher. Well, you know, I'll get up yeah. and do something. What about this uh, new up and coming HBO show? I, um, <laughs> his dark materials on HBO. Apparently there's some teaming with BBC sky network. I have, I don't, I haven't really been able to follow it, but this is something that I've been, um, I was really aware of when the first notes were coming out that it was going to be a show. You know, right after like Game of Thrones season one, there started to be some some chatter about it, and I just was like, "Well, these rumors are never going to 
materialize. Oh, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we have Mr. Tumnus changing his uh, changing his fawn legs for Lord Asriel. There's some interesting stuff. The casting, obviously, is already very interesting. I'm cautiously nervous, actually. Like, I just, this is a hard, this, to me, is going to be hard to pull off. I think the, you know, the books are so subtle that you don't know (laughs) (laughs) exactly that i i'm just not sure how that's going to translate to the screen you're right i I mean i agree um that it's going to be hard to translate to the screen today on the pod it is drafting season and so we are going to talk about different strategies we are in one that's ongoing slowly meandering around and two that are towards wrapping up so ahead of other people's drafts, and I will note here that I overheard some pretty serious draft prep happening in a coffee shop the other day. We're going to take today to explore a little bit of what we've learned, and then we'll do a little bit of planning for the rest of the season in the second half. So here we go. So I had a mission. I was on. I was a man on a mission. It was sort of like uh, Gandalf describing Sauron. All his thought is bent on it. <laughs> that was me this week. Now, Atsumata has a great um, tool that he's put together that he's made uh, public-facing that has all the picks in TGFBI, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational that has a bunch of uh, fantasy analysts uh, across different websites, 15-team Roto League. It's 21 leagues. It's a great set of data. So he's collected picks across those leagues. You know, I I was like, I I wanna I wanna automate this. I wanna scrape this. Uh, so I spent far too long um, navigating the HTML on the NFBC website, and uh, success. I was able to put together a scraper using Selenium to grab all of these picks. I've put together a repository on the GitHub's. Oftentimes, as we complain about just getting the data and getting the data formatted, oftentimes ends up being the entire fight or (laughs) so much of the fight that the analysis, you only have like a little tiny bit of time for analysis. So unfortunately, that's that's what happened this week. But I was able to grab all the draft data in an automated fashion and started to put together some... um, some analysis pairing it with fantasy pros ADP. So uh, compare the experts versus commons, see what's happening, but there's some still a little, some kinks to work out. It's a little unfair to call it the experts versus the commons, because you know, some of these guys who are drafting in these leagues are actually the guys making the ADP or making the rankings on fantasy pros. <laughs> making the rankings that are then yeah, so, being used. You know, this isn't, this isn't like a totally orthogonal data set, but no, I mean, this is a great idea, and I think if I was to if I was to start this podcast over from absolute scratch and ask like what tools are going to have the most impact on you, the answer is clearly the web scraping. Like we we have needed if you if you ask what has matured the most since season zero in our analysis, it's not how we plug things into Python and play around with it, the data. The answer is how we get access to the data, and scraping is what's enabled that. No, absolutely. And that's sort of when 
when you and I were talking about the fantasy tools, putting together podcasts, putting together, um, putting our thoughts together so we could share them with other people. A lot of what I was interested in was just kind of the functional tools to get data to make decisions. Not as much. You're definitely more on the modeling side of it. I'm more of on like the functionality side of it. I love to be able to scrape data from these websites. I love to be able to kind of synthesize the data really quickly from from websites, compare different sources, and also you know, use the tools that are available to us, like <laughs> Google Drive, and use kind of these these other websites and distill data. But yeah, no, I, and I I need to put together a repository that is just website scraping because I keep on like I'm like oh I know that I did this at some script and I have no idea when I did it. Um, and this really is exposing our you know our lanes as, with you as a data scientist and me as a, a you know my love of algorithm development here and i frankly need significantly more on the on the data science and i need to like get over my aversion to pandas and my current aversion to selenium and and just go for it yeah i i understand the selenium piece that we need to um get away from basically selenium tools that can only be used on windows computers <laughs> No, no, no. They can they can be used on other things, but you know it's just the .exe file. You know you need your own. So right, briefly, Selenium requires a driver. It actually goes in and uses a a web navigating tool, so one of your browsers, to scrape down the data itself. So whatever platform you're on, the reason that I don't love it is because it's platform specific. Whatever platform you're on, you have to set up the driver yourself. So this isn't a thing where somebody else can pull down our pull down our work and just go for it. They have to labor their way through Selenium, which I've done before. I just did not love it. Selenium is a web scraping site package that I use when I get to sites that are heavily yep. Yep. JavaScript enabled. In other words, when you go to the website it takes a second and it runs a JavaScript to actually put together all the HTML on the page to, to view that if the, if it's not basically like an HTML website or um, other approach using requests and beautiful soup, then doesn't work, which are other web scraping site packages. I mean, I just generally find JavaScript annoying, but I understand that it's necessary a necessary part of the world these days. <laughs> Take me back to Web 1.0. All right, that's, that's you know whatever, whatever. So so you scraped it all down. Um, what what are your what's your game plan for for this data? What's the game plan? Hmm, that <laughs> is a good question. So the the game plan is to I, I really want to see where we where we, all the um, experts in TGFBI, deviated from yeah. fantasy pros and also see if we can come up with like a value curve for the picks, figure out what how we can put together a metric on how players are valued. I see the edges of it, but I just can't quite, just can't quite figure out how you, you take... ADP average draft position 
minimum draft position, maximum draft position, median draft position, take those and develop a score for every player. Hmm. I think to me, it's actually like one thing that I was thinking about this week. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't even know if we're going to keep this, but one thing that would be interesting would be to do like a, um, a growth chart for each of the stats over the course of a draft and then figure out what fraction and where an individual player is responsible for growing on the growth chart, for instance. So like if you want, if you wanted to go to the child analysis, you know, it'd be like, okay, here's, here's how, here's the, the growth chart here. Can you say when, when they grew, you know, what was interesting about that? So I'd love to know, you know, what is Joey Votto, for example's input to a draft overall like how does he contribute to the home run growth curve and where do you want that to actually be in the draft right that's multi-dimensional yeah i know and <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's a that's a, I think that's a valid way to look at it man oh true hope everyone's either having a nice draft or having some nice draft prep here's an outtake Man, could you imagine an alternate universe where Harry Potter was a Game of Thrones-like show? That would have been long. It would have been Game of Thrones-length. I mean, think about how long Game of Thrones is. You know, just take a step back and think about how many hours of TV we've we've spent, wasted, whatever you want to call it, on Game of Thrones. True. Yeah. No, it would have been. It, it would have been a very different show, though. It, it could have been like a sitcom-type format. That that would have been really funny. I came up with a couple ideas here that I want to that I want to bounce off you for for draft archetypes and see if we can figure out a way that you can ex- that listeners can exploit this how you can how you can recognize these draft styles that are taking place and what you can do about it. Uh, I happen to think that drafts can really be perturbed by you know tiny forces, and my analogy here would be you know butterfly flaps its wings somewhere and somebody then randomly picks Gary Sanchez number 34 overall and suddenly the draft looks totally different <laughs> yeah exactly you know when I, I think that's totally true i never thought about it as the butterfly effect catcher relief pitcher and to a lesser extent the shortstop second base less so right now because first base sucks um, I think <laughs> yeah. those positions, you know, if someone, if the if the wrong players get picked early, or the right players get picked early, yeah, the draft goes a whole different direction. Yeah, and so I was looking for a way to try and quantify that, and I came up with with what I what I'm describing as three different draft archetypes, and I'm curious if you have thoughts about this. Ways that you know you're watching a draft, and you're and ways that you can characterize it. There's the first one I would say is, is ADP perfection or the corollary, which is like exact auction values, where your league is pretty much going along and it pretty much sticks directly to ADP and more or less the entire league reflects this. I think of this as a really conservative way to draft because everyone's just basically scared about getting <laughs> scared about getting blown out or made fun of by other people. Especially in the in leagues where either people know each other or um, where people really know enough to have their guys, this just doesn't happen. But this is so typical of like your random Yahoo league that has, you know, your random money Yahoo league that you just like, I'm going to be in here. 
we'll see if I can take these guys out. That's right. And so that's that's like a prime way to zig and zag. And then my second draft archetype would be what I'll call the reach and value, which is how I picture our home league going, which is there's always a push and pull of reach versus value going on relative to ADP. And this tends to be when guys are really prepared. There may be players that they really like, or the converse of that is ones that are too good to pass up. So the draft is constantly ping-ponging around ADP. I personally feel like this is true in our home league where everybody comes in with by, you know, watching videos of Luke Voigt lift weights and they love it. And you're like, well, now I got to get Luke Voigt. Like, I don't care where he is really relative to ADP. And then eventually you're left with things like, you know, why did this person fall four extra rounds? Like, I guess I'll take them. Right, exactly. Yeah. And then I've got a third one here, which is, which is independent really of the other two which is what I'll call the in-season strategy. And this can be a this can be a mixture or this can be taking place on top of the other ones where somebody came in with a really rule-oriented plan and they're just going to draft to that ADP be damned. So if you're employing a strong strategy this season perhaps your draft is reflecting that. We've tried this before independently, where we've tried to go for stolen bases above all else. <laughs> just try and yep. just always lock this down. And I'm kind of trying it right now with the best Arno strategy. And this is totally independent of these other two. And you, I think it's really interesting because you can see this happening in other leagues as well. Yeah, the uh, power hitting, power pitching combination being a of one that you see a lot yeah <laughs> there are like three or four guys that are just like i'm not drafting stolen bases who oh, are you kidding <laughs> <laughs> that like your team this year you mean your tg uh, i've got just enough to scrape by i think this this can ta- this can take place on top of either the adp perfection or the reach and value drafts and it's somewhat independent of them but i've kind of but you know it's it's worth mentioning here uh Anything else that you notice while you're watching drafts in terms of archetypes or styles? Um, I think there are two others that I think these kind of play pretty closely to each other. Analyst darlings. Oh, yeah. yeah. When everybody when everybody in the league is going for the like the 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 players that the analysts really love, like this year it'd be Jake Bauer, Nick Pavetta, um, and Acuna, you know, yeah, yep, Acuna being the the story, of course. And then I think there's also um, the boomer bust drafts, where those guys are um, guys that are overdrafted are high ceiling, high ceiling bros, where you're not taking you're not taking the Zach Eflins of this world because you kind of have an idea of what he's gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> you're taking Jake Arietta because he could be he could return to ace form or he could suck. Yeah, I so I'm trying to think. I don't know if those are that's a good example. I'm trying to think of something that's better. No, I I I think that's a I think that's a totally fine example. <sighs> Boy. So I think those those two, well, the first one, the analyst darlings, I think is its own um, its own curve, you know, akin to ADP perfection and reach and value, where it says like, well, I'm actually not going to mm-hmm. do ADP. I'm going to do ranking perfection, <laughs> and whatever somebody says is what we're going to follow. And I think you can see this if 
this is again if guys don't go and prepped then it's just going to be the curve is going to look like whatever platform you're on and whoever they recommend <laughs> yeah well so i guess yeah but that's my point is that there are these two different sides yeah. there's like really yeah there is the uh adhering to the rankings on the platform that you're on and then there's um then there's ed- everybody is adhering to some other source <laughs> yeah and then but then the boomer bust i think of as akin to the the in-season strategy where that can happen on top of any of these other drafts individuals can employ those strategies and it doesn't necessarily affect the overall flux in fact i would argue that it tends to it tends to do less to the overall flux than something like the reach and value like you know gary sanchez going 34 overall that's not a boomer a bust pick that's just somebody reaching Okay. Yeah. Oh, true. True. Yep. You know, whereas like, I don't know, any, any of these prospects like Tatis Jr., Fernando Tatis, or um, Chris Paddock, who I just picked, like any of those, those I would argue are, yeah, are, are boomer bust picks. And those don't alter the course of the draft because maybe they weren't necessarily on other people's radars as much. Yeah. Well, I mean, Miggy. In a way, it's a boomer bust, right? Yeah, I guess I think of the reach and value. The requirement is that other people really had their eye on somebody, and it's just totally going against what somebody else expected. I don't think that's true in the boomer bust. Mm-hmm. Sounds like we need to iron this out a little bit more, though. This <laughs> sort of feels like we're really setting up, you know, paper soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man! Don't be, don't be like that. I well, I mean, look, I bolded this in our outline because I want to figure out how you can measure this in your own league on a small scale, mm-hmm. you know, like within a round, say, where is this going in the next round? And then how can you exploit that in your own strategy? And frankly, I don't have an answer. And I don't think we're going to answer this in the remaining time on the pod. But it's just something that I'm thinking about. And maybe it's what All I'm right. thinking about for next week. So yeah. let me let me give you the basis for what I did here, which is sometimes the simplest algorithm is the best. And I tinkered a bunch this week. I spent a bunch of time just <laughs> reading Wikipedia articles on comparing two different ordered lists. And uh, then I just settled on absolute mm-hmm. deviation, which is the, the workhorse that we've always used forever. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Sounds absolutely. Right. And so I settled on measuring what I'll call discrepancy and bias, bias, which is discrepancy is just a measure of how volatile the picks are relative to ADP and then bias is a measure of whether the position or player or stat went earlier or later than expected and so I just let this loose on TGFBI trying to say okay which one of these 21 drafts that's going on right now most resembles ADP and which one least resembles ADP so measuring the discrepancy and there's a clear winner here in case anyone wants to follow along league 15 is just pretty much following ADP to a T. Hmm, no idea why that's happening. And if you want an example of an absolutely crazy league, you should look at leagues nine or nineteen, where the value is just all over the place. So, and these are NFBC these are, ADP. Uh, right? These are the internal ADPs from TGFBI. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is NFBC. Oh no. Okay. Oh, from yeah. internal. So this from says, this says take the okay, twenty-one. Wow. Calculate the ADPs and see, make that the master list, and then how different are they relative to that? Right. Wow. Okay. So League Fifteen, what is? I don't know, but they are—they're the ones there. just setting the ADP. Interestingly to me, I mentioned this to you offline. The the Champions League is pretty discrepant. 
they do not look like the ADP. The the Champions Which League. Which one? Oh, the Champions League. Yeah, it's it's. Well, that's because they're all trying to game each other. I mean, I think that's true. You said as much, and and I sort of agree with that. So that's my measure of discrepancy. And then I tried to look at a measure of bias, and I'm going to quiz you a little bit on your league here, League 11. And the question here is, is there evidence for certain positions being drafted at different discrepancies or different deviations or bias? And that's always like the perennial question, like, man, I really feel like like shortstops are going early. Are they actually going early or is that just my feeling? And I looked at my own league, which is league 18 and and yeah, actually shortstops are going significantly earlier than they would be expected to relative to other leagues. Hmm. So let me ask you, it's wild. Which position do you think is the most discrepant in your league? Let's just do, we'll just do a gut check here. You know, you're drafting along. What did, did you does this include corner and middle infield, or does this just the, the regular position? It folds corner and middle into their respective positions. So, okay. was there one that you felt like just whipped by, and or that you were able to sit on for a really long time? First base. First base, early or late? First base is early, going earlier. It is earlier. That's the okay. Is there one that go that goes earlier than that? Uh, no. First base is, is the one that cleared off the board the earliest for you. Nice. I was right. Yeah. I, it felt like I was like, okay, yeah, no, I can get a first baseman. And then there were like four that I was sitting on and then it came to my pick and I was like, well, <laughs> well one reason gone. that okay. may be true is because <laughs> everyone in your league was sitting on third baseman, like really sitting on third baseman. <laughs> like they, I, yeah, they were biased uh, yes. very strongly in the opposite direction. Josh Donaldson just sat, just there, sat, sat there, there forever. forever. And some of that, I think, is this, the, like you just alluded to, the corner and middle infielder aspect um, where, you know, you need a first baseman, a third baseman, and a corner infielder in this league that you can pull from either first or third, obviously. And so guys were just pulling first baseman for that, apparently. All right. I think that about brings us to the review session. George Springer. I have shares of him now, so... He better do well. Uh, let me give you the last year, and then I'll talk about the, the past three years a little bit. 2018, played 140 games, 620 plate appearances, 22 home runs, 102 runs, 71 RBIs, 6 stolen bases, and what kills me is that 265 average. I've always been an, a real average guy here. If you yes, compare you this been. to the past three years, pretty much everything, the stats are all the same except for... His home runs really fell off last year. He went from 29 in 2016 to, to 34 in 2017, and then that's a huge regression from 34 to 22. Ouch. That is a huge regression. And, well, and the batting average. Well, I guess he was 260, 276, 261, 283, 265. So a lot, yeah, of, a lot of movement he's not, there. He's not the rock steady guy. Um, so let's just say... Here's what our projections oh, say for him. Um, if you base this all the 640 okay. plate appearances, which I think is probably ambitious. A lot of this is driven by the fact that he played in all 162 games in 2016. Uh, if you mm. project him for 640 plate appearances, we say 25 home runs, 99 runs, 76 RBIs, 7 stolen bases, 270 average. That sounds great. That's a that's a very reasonable... It does very reasonable 
early mid round draft pick. Right, he's not the top two rounds that everyone was like hoping yep. that he would be a couple years ago. But he's a he's a very solid yeah, player. Sure, like he's you know he's definitely going to contribute to your team to your fantasy team, um, and I mean frankly he's going to contribute to the Astros too. But uh, is he going to be the world beater? I I don't think so. No, but it's kind of nice having a very he's a low floor guy. I mean this last floor. year was sort of yeah I agree floor. I watched a bunch of his StatCast videos again. You know, if you go to the StatCast page, you can just see, like, all these individual plays. So not just his home runs. Mm-hmm. Mixed bag. You know, when he hits... if you, I would say that if you watch just his home run highlight reel, you would think, wow, this is a first two-round guy. Because his home runs are monster. Like, they're just... When he actually connects with them, they look great. But then yeah. he's got all these, like, strikes out on foul tip. And he take some really bad like looking strikeouts <laughs> i was i was mm. pretty bummed about a pretty bummed about a bunch of those but i'll accept it i think it's interesting i mean i agree with all of that i think that it's interesting thinking back to the alcs he was a concern but he wasn't like oh my gosh this guy is up there's no way that we're going to get him out which i sort of thought mm-hmm. about bregman a little bit uh but george springer always seemed to like get on base it was uh, he was always on base <laughs> no, I, I, like. I do agree with that and if, if you look at just like the outcomes from his plate appearances he ends up on base a bunch but there's also there's a non-zero number of fielders choices in here <laughs> he's one of those players that the situation i think really really mm. helps him mm. because that's what raises up the floor it's not i mean his skills would you know go across different um different teams different leagues i guess um but that having that team that team is so good offensively that you just you're just like yeah no i'll take him i agree with that and there's no we don't see any reason i don't see any reason to expect that that would not be true this year all right who are we doing next week oh so we did one of your players last week well, why don't we do one of why don't we do one of my players? I want to talk about Lorenzo Kane. Ooh, I like that you are going for the the older established gentleman here. So far, you know these are these are guys that you have the questions about. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.